0: Thank you very much. I think this is maybe the first time I'm speaking at the second service. I don't know why your pastor has kept me away from you for a long time. It's great to see all of you. I'm just trying to see whether there are mothers in our midst. There are few, I believe. And uh, for the rest of us, we do have a mother, don't we? Uh, I'm reminded this morning of a story which one of our fathers in my church shared a few years ago. He said, on Mother's Day, uh, his two daughters woke up and asked him, uh, what is Mother's Day? And the father said, well, it's one day in the year when mommy doesn't work. She doesn't cook, she doesn't do housework. And then we take her out for dinner. Then they said, what about Father's Day? And he said, well, it's the rest of the year. I guess when the father doesn't work, doesn't do housework, doesn't cook. Well, I'm not sure what you have done for your mothers uh, today, but um, I'd like to recommend this book, which I've just uh, finished writing, The Narrow Road. I'm told that not many people read today, but anyway, I'm just going to recommend it anyway. Uh, We're going to speak about The Narrow Road today. If you uh, didn't pay attention, you can read the book and find out what it's all about. Uh, Even if you pay attention, maybe a good book for you to revise what you've heard. I, one of the reasons why you may not be motivated to buy this book is because you have such a good library. You're hoping somebody will buy the book and put it in a library so you can borrow and read it for free. Anyway, this morning we're going to be, this afternoon we're going to be looking at the narrow road. And I'd like to read to you a passage from Matthew chapter seven, verse thirteen to twenty-nine, verse thirteen to the end. Uh, in the past, we used to tell people to open their Bibles. Uh, now you just open your iPhone or your iPad. Okay, reading from verse uh, verse 13 of Matthew chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew against and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Verse 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught them. He taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. In this passage, Jesus makes things simple for us and at the same time makes things difficult for us. You know, we face many choices in life and sometimes we wish choices were made simpler for us to choose. Well, Jesus makes everything simple for us by reducing all the choices of life into two. Just two choices. And then he makes clear which choice you should choose. Now that's making things easy and also making things hard. So he speaks of two roads, the narrow road and the wide road. He speaks of two trees, the bad tree and the good tree. He speaks of two foundations, the strong foundation and the weak foundation. In life, there are many choices, but Jesus reduces all the choices into two, and he tells us which we should choose. We're going to look at all these choices, all these pairs of choices, and I hope by the end of the message, you will make the right choice. So the first two choices that confront us are the two roads. So we read in verses 13 and 14, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, And broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So you notice these sets of opposites. The small road, the small gate, the big gate, the narrow road, the wide road, the many and the few, destruction and life. Now these two roads are set before us, to choose. There's a big gate and a small gate. The big gate will lead us into the broad road, where many people will be found walking along it. The small gate will open up to a narrow road, and you'll find only a few people. The big gate is prominent and is visible to all. And we know this because many people are going towards it, and many people are passing through it. It is also convenient because when the road is wide, it can accommodate many people. And many people can go through the big gate at the same time and walk on the broad road at the same time. You know, people by and large, and I mean all of us here, are attracted to what is visible and what is prominent. What we can see and what we see first. We're also attracted to what is convenient. We'll go to where things are made easy for us. People in advertising and marketing, they know this aspect of the human behaviour. And they exploit this aspect of human behaviour. Now, how do you make sure that crowds would come to your shopping mall or to your restaurant? Well, you put it in the right location. Now, You make it visible with prominent signs. You make it convenient with parking facility, proximity to bus stops or train stations. I'm reminded of a story of a man who set up shop in a new shopping mall. And he found that there were two shops set on either side of him, he was sandwiched between two shops selling the same thing, fashion clothes. fashion clothes. The one on his left puts up a big sign that says lowest prices. And the one on his right put up another sign that says largest selection. Well, he thought about it. He can't compete with the lowest prices. He can't compete with the largest selection. So he put up a sign that says main entrance. Smart guy, don't you think so? You see, we are all attracted to what is visible and what is prominent. The main entrance. You know, the main entrance. Something that is prominent, something that is big, something that is wide. But then, you look at the small gate. Jesus says, only a few find it. That is hidden from view. You. you have to go and look for it. And not many people bother to do that. Now, that's why we find few people going to the small gate, and many, uh, and very few people going through the small gate. Because the gate is small, So only a few, maybe one at a time can go in. And when you get to the gate, you may find that your uh, line standing in front of the gate, you have to wait in line. It's not convenient. But the most important difference between the two gates is that one gate leads to the broad road, and the other gate leads to the narrow road. And Jesus' warning to us is broad is the road that leads to destruction, and narrow is the road that leads to life. See, one leads to destruction, and the other to life. It's not obvious when you see the gate. It's not even obvious when you're walking on the road. It will take some time for you to find out which direction you are actually heading and which destination you will finally end up in. You know, in any travel, the most important thing is the destination. Don't you think so? It doesn't matter where you start. The important thing is where you're going to end. Uh, to illustrate this truth, let me just uh, share a story from a village in China. There was a young man in this village who heard that war has broken out on the borders of his country. So immediately he took his bow and arrow, he jumped on his horse, and he sped off to fight for his country. As he was racing along a narrow road on a mountain pass, an elderly man stood in his way and stopped him and, sa- and said, "'Where are you going, young man, in such a hurry?' And the young man said, out of my way, old man, war has broken out and I'm off to defend my country. The old man said, how do you know you will defend your country? The young man said, my heart is brave, my hand is strong, and my horse is fast. The old man said, well, that may be so, young man, but your brave heart, your strong hand, and your fast horse will do you no good. The young man said, what do you mean? Because, the old man said, young man, the war has broken out in the north and you are heading towards the south. You see, in such a situation, the most important thing is not speed. It's not courage. It's not what you have. It is whether you are heading in the right direction and whether you will eventually reach the right destination. Now, that's true of life. That's true of life. The most important thing in life is not how good you are, how strong you are, how brave you are, and what you have in your hands, what you have with you. It is where you are heading and where you are going eventually. Are you heading in the right direction and are you going to the right destination? Are we attracted to the wide gate because it's visible and prominent? Are we attracted to the broad road because it's convenient and popular? Well, remember where it leads to destruction and death. Or well, there may be some here who have yet to find the small gate or walk the narrow road. Well, I urge you not to delay. You may be in church for the first time today, or you may be in the church for a long time, but you have to make a decision to follow Jesus. And to follow Jesus means going through the small gate onto the narrow road. So, those are two roads that confront us two gates. Which gate will you go through? Which road will you walk? The second thing Jesus talks about is about the two trees. Now in the two roads, Jesus wants us against following the crowd. It's easy to go where many people are going, to do what many people are, do, are doing, and to head where many people are heading. And in this second passage, when he about two trees, he sounded the same warning. He said, Watch out for the false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. And then Jesus gave a solemn warning in the later part of the passage. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So in other words, Jesus is warning us not to be deceived. Not to be deceived, not because, just because someone uses the name of Jesus or uses religious language like Lord, Lord, it doesn't mean that they belong to him. So how do you recognize if a prophet or teacher is of the Lord or not of the Lord? Well, Jesus says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. By their fruit, you will recognize them. And this is when Jesus presented the two trees. How do you know a tree is what it is supposed to be? Some years ago, a friend of mine bought a house, and in the garden, there was a tree. The one who sold him the house, the previous owner, told him that it's a mango tree. My friend looked at it. It didn't look like a mango tree. So, the previous owner told him, Well, if you don't believe me, just wait. No? One day the fruit will appear. You take it and taste it, and you tell me if it is a mango tree. And sure enough, some, a couple of years later, the tree fruited. And my friend took it, ate it, and sure enough, it was a mango tree. So, a tree is known by its fruits. In fact, Jesus says it twice in verses 16 and 20. By their fruit, you will recognize them. It does not matter how a tree looks. It doesn't matter what its appearance is like. It doesn't matter what kind of leaves or branches or trunk. Ultimately, it is a fruit that will tell you what kind of tree it is. Well, the same is true of a person. It does not matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you claim to be. Ultimately, it is your life, your life character, who you are, and what you say you are, and what you claim you are. A story is told of a Jewish couple who was blessed with a firstborn son. The father and mother were delighted, but when they talk about naming the son, they quarrel. They quarrel over the name to be given to the son. The father wanted, it to, wanted the son to be named after his father, whereas the mother wanted, it, wanted the son to be named after her father. So they went to see a rabbi. So the rabbi asked the man, what is the name of your father? And the man said, my father's name is Zechariah. Then he asked the woman, what is the name of your father? And the woman said, my father's name is Zechariah. It's the same name. So the rabbi said, it's the same name. What's the problem? Well, the woman said, you see, my father father was a scholar, well-respected in the community. His father was a thief and spent years in prison. How could I allow my, name to be, my son to be named after his father? Well, the rabbi thought about the matter for a little while, and then he gave his verdict. It's okay. Why don't you do this? You call your son Zechariah. Then you wait and see. If he grows up to be a scholar, you know that he's named after the mother. If he grows up to be a thief, then you know that he's named after the father. Okay. Well, the name is not so important, isn't it? You can name your son or daughter anything you want to. But eventually, whether the, your son or daughter lives up to the name, that's more important. It is who you really are, your character, that's important. So Jesus issues a double warning here. The first warning is against false prophets and teachers. They, they claim to come in the name of Jesus, but they are actually wolves. They have a different agenda. They promote themselves and their own selfish purposes. They use their followers for their own ends. So watch their lives carefully. Just look at their life. Do not just hear what they say. See what they do and what kind of person they are. Do they manifest the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Do they manifest Christ-likeness? Secondly, Jesus warns us against ourselves. We are to make sure that we do not belong to the false believers. And his warning is a serious warning to all of us. Are you a true follower of Jesus, or you th- only think you are followers? Now, we could prophesy in the name of Jesus. We could even drive out demons and perform miracles in his name, and still not belong to him. Now, that's really a serious warning. So it's not in what you do that tells us who you are. It's what you really are that tells us who you are. So Is it possible? yes. I think we can do things that make us look like Christians, make us look like Jesus' disciples and followers, but we may not have the nature of a follower, disciple of Jesus. A person can attend church for years. He can know all the songs by heart. He can listen to hundreds of sermons. He can put money in the offering bag and sit on church committees, but may not know Jesus personally as Lord and Savior. A person can pray eloquent prayers, speak in tongues, perform deliverances and miracles, can preach to thousands, and still do not know the Lord Jesus personally. Tragically, there are many people like that around the world, especially in countries where Christianity is a majority religion. And if you go to these places, you find that many people think they're Christians because they're born in a Christian family. In fact, in India, you'll meet people who say, I'm a born Christian. I'm a born Christian. It's just like a person who's born in a garage calls himself a car because he's uh, he's born in a garage. Um, Now, this is also true of those who are born into Christian families, second generation or third generation Christians, they grow up in a Christian environment, they do all the Christian things as a matter of routine and tradition, but there's not a living relationship with the Lord. In some places, these are called cultural Christians. It's part of their culture to be Christians. We call them nominal Christians. Well, Jesus says to them on the Day of Judgment, I never knew you. I never knew you. Uh, There's a very solemn warning. And let's make sure that we do not belong to this company of people, either the false teachers or the false believers. Remember the good tree and the bad tree. It will eventually be known by its fruit. We will eventually be known by our character, whether we bear the fruit of the Spirit. So that brings us to the most important question. How can we be sure we belong to Jesus? How can we be sure that we have entered by the narrow or the small gate, and walking on the narrow road. Well, Jesus comes to the last pair of opposites, and the last pair of choices, and that's the two foundations. And maybe this is the most important. He ends his sermons with a parable, the parable of the two foundations. It's a simple story. Two builders embark on projects to build a house. The first finds a place where the ground is hard rock. He digs into the rock, and he builds a house on it. The second builder finds a place where the ground is sand. He digs into it, and he builds a house on it. Now, we can be sure that if the two of them started building their houses at the same time, the second builder had it easy and would probably complete his house way before the first builder. Why? Because it's easier to dig into sand than to dig into rock. And again, here we are reminded of the analogy of the two gates. You know, the one that's easy to find, the one who's easy to enter, is the one that leads to death. The one that's hard to find, the one that's hard to walk on, is the one that leads to life. So the sand is easy to build a house on. The rock is hard to build a house on. But I've said earlier on, what is important is not always obvious. What is important is not always obvious. When we travel, the important thing is not easy travel, but the right destination. And the same thing with building. In building, the important thing is not ease of construction, but the foundation of your construction. So the test comes in the form of a sudden storm. The rain pours down, the floods came up, the foundations of both houses are shaken, the house on the rock stood firm, and the house on the sand collapsed to be swept away. What took time and effort to build stood the test, and what was built quickly and more easily failed the test. So Jesus is saying to us, what is important is not always what is easy. You know, today we live in a culture that wants things to be done easy, quick, and cheap, right? Easy, quick, and cheap. Now, that's not wrong when it comes to goods and services. When we buy something or we buy some services, we always look at what what is cheap, what is good, and what what is fast. Whether it is going to a restaurant to have a meal or looking for a service provider, provider for your uh, computer. But that kind of mentality cannot be carried over into our spiritual lives. We can't go to God and ask God to give us something quick, cheap, and good. It doesn't work that way. I'm reminded of a story of a man who bought a house. He renovated it. And in particular, he gave a lot of attention to his living room, where he hoped to end entertain his friends and impress them. So in the living room, he wanted to have a huge painting as a kind of accent. So when people walk into the room, they will see the painting and be impressed. So he went to see an artist uh, and asked him to do a painting. And this was going to be a painting of the crossing of the Red Sea by the Israelites. He told the artist, you know, I want a lot of drama. I want a lot of colors. I want a lot of action. I want the children of Israel fleeing in terror. I want to see terror on their faces as they fled from the armies of Pharaoh in hot pursuit, and I want to see all the horses and chariots and so on. Well, the artist said, sure, no problem. Give me a month, and it will cost you $1,000. Well, the man said, no, no, I can't wait that long. My friends are coming next week. Can you do it in one week, or I'll pay $50? Well, the artist said, okay. So a week later, the man came to collect the painting, and this is what he found. Is it on the slide? Okay, this is the painting he found. So the man said, what's this? The artist said, there's a painting of the Red Sea. Oh, where are the children of Israel? Oh, they have crossed over to the other side. What about the horses and chariots, the army of Pharaoh? Don't you know they are all drowned in the sea? You can't see them anymore. Well, I think it's a very simple story. Tell us, if you want something quick and cheap, you won't have it good. If you want to build a house quick and cheap, if you want to build your life quick and cheap, you won't have a strong foundation. You know, one of my favorite authors, A.W. Tozer, says this, and I like this quote. He says, Christians habitually weep and pray over beautiful truth, only to draw back from them, from the same truth, when it comes to the difficult job of putting it into practice. It appears that too many Christians want to enjoy the thrill of feeling right, but are not willing to endure the inconvenience of being right. How to? We all like to feel good, right? We sing songs, we get emotional. We watch a video, you no, know, we get emotional, we enjoy the feelings of being good. But when it comes to doing what is right, and then we realize that it's harder than we thought. And that's where we draw back. It's easy to travel along the broad road. It's easy to just say in words, Lord, Lord, and make all kinds of claims. It is easy to dig into sand to build a house. But it is hard. It is hard to enter by the narrow gate and walk the narrow road. It is hard to be what we claim to be and to match our life to our words. It's hard to lay our foundation on rock. But if we call ourselves disciples of Jesus, we have no choice. We have chosen to walk the narrow road turning neither to left or right. We have chosen to be the tree that bears good fruit. We have chosen to build our lives on the rock, a strong foundation. So as I said at the beginning, Jesus makes everything very simple for us, only two choices. And he tells us which choice we should choose. Now that makes it difficult. Because very often, left to ourselves, is not the choice we want to make, because it is tough, it's hard. It's a long time. But as the verse that was read to us says, Jesus says, you come to me and I promise you, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's an irony, isn't it? Something that appears to us a bit difficult, he tells us it's easy. Well, the reason is very simple, because in another place, in John 15, he tells his disciples, you did not choose me, I chose you. And that's the irony of the Christian life of the Christian faith. You see, when you are standing outside, that small gate, what is written on the small gate is what was read just now to us. Come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden, or are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in spirit, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You see this sign on the outside. So you go in. You go in because you needed rest. You needed peace. The moment you step through that small gate onto the narrow road, you look back, and on the other side of the gate are written these words from John 15. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. In other words, you think you chose Jesus, but the moment you step into his kingdom, you realize that all this while, he was the one who was pursuing you. And he was the one who chose you and called you to himself. Now, if this is the case, if it is Jesus who chose us, he's going to walk with us on the narrow road. And when he walks with us, it's not going to be difficult. And as he promises us, my yoke is easy and my burden is light because we bear the burden with him. We carry the yoke with him. So the choices are before us. It's both simple and hard. It's both easy and difficult. But we have no choice if we want to call ourselves Jesus' disciples. We have to go through the small gate onto the narrow road. We have to make sure that we bear good fruit. We have to make sure that we lay our foundation on rock. And I pray that we will do this today. Shall we pray? Let's take a few moments to ask ourselves if we, have make, if we have made our choices. If we have made a choice to choose between the two, the narrow road and the broad road, the good tree and the bad tree, the strong foundation and the weak foundation. Let us pray that we will make the right choice, the choice that Jesus would want us to choose. Lord Jesus, we thank you that it is you who have chosen us in the first place, before we chose you. And even as these choices are put before us, we know that if we make the right choice, you will be with us. And you will help us along the way. You will carry us. You will make the yoke easy. You will make the burden light. Because you'll never, you will never leave us as you promise us. So help us, Lord, to build our lives on strong foundation, even if it takes time And effort. Help us to bear fruit, good fruit, even if it will take some time for this fruit to be seen. And help us, Lord, to walk along the narrow road, even though there are few and we feel a little lonely and intimidated. Lord, be with us as we seek to be your disciples. We pray this in Jesus' name.